Hey, before we jump into the message, can I just tell you how thankful I am to be a part of a church that worships the way that you do, that brings everything that you are and all that you have. As I was walking in this morning, a little earlier, I saw people getting here who, it might take them a little bit longer to get into the building than it used to, but they're here early, getting in place, getting prepared, bringing everything that they have. I see a lot of you worshiping with us online, you jump on the chat early just to encourage somebody, just to say I'm praying for you. But can I tell you that I'm thankful because this isn't a church that just worships with all that we are and all that we have. But last couple weeks, can I tell you, Jesus left the building. Over 800 of you took Jesus into our city and over 25 different areas of our city and places of need. I watched you. Yeah, come on, you can, you can give it up for that. I watched you feed people, you clothed people, you gave people your time, you gave them your presence, you gave them your time, your talent, your treasures. I got to see families serving side by side and I couldn't help but observe and just watch the, the children, watching their parents serving. I'm telling you, it's, it's gonna change the future and it's gonna change the next generation. We don't just serve because that's what we do. It's, it's, it's who we are. And you've made that so obvious over the last couple weeks. I want to thank you for all that you do every day, not just in organized ways, but what you do every day to fulfill the vision of this church, and that is to share the hope of Jesus where we live, work, learn, and play. We've said it many times, no one can do everything, but everyone can do, you want to say it, go ahead and say it, something. So thank you, thank you, thank you for doing something. I am thrilled that you're here today. I'm thrilled that you're worshiping with us online today because we are beginning a brand new series and we're calling it Legacy. And over the next six weeks, I want to I challenge you to do something that is a little bit challenging to do. I want you to think about the legacy that you're leaving behind when you leave this world behind. Now, I know that the topic of death, especially considering your own, is not the most exciting topic ever. But before you check out on me, before you click to another site there or get up and walk out, I want you to know that I have done my research. I did a lot of digging, and over the last three weeks, I did some very deep research, and here are my findings. Number one, I found that one out of every one person dies. <laughs> now, furthermore, thinking about death, planning for it, talking about it, apparently, according to my research, does not increase or decrease the odds that it is going to happen at some point. Unless Jesus returns, every single one of us have an expiration date. So that's the first thing that my research showed. Now, the second thing, and the second reason why you're not gonna to wanna to check out on this series, the reason you're gonna to want to lean in, the second thing that my research shows is that one out of every one person will leave behind a legacy. There were some friends that got together and they were talking as they normally would and the conversation turned grimly toward the concept or the conversation of death. 
And so one friend asked the other two, what is it that you would hope someone would say at your funeral? One friend thought about it for a little while and he said, you know, I, I think I hope they would say that I was a humanitarian, that I, I cared about the community. Another friend thought about it and he said, well, I hope that people would say that I was a good dad, a good, good father, a good husband, and, and that I was an example to follow. Well, the third friend thought about it for a while and he said, you know, what I would want to hear somebody say at my funeral is, look, he's moving. <laughs> now, we're just, for the sake of argument, we're just going to say that you will not be making a special appearance at your own funeral. That is highly unlikely. But here's what is very likely. That at some point, somebody will stand up and they will say a few words on your behalf. Maybe it'll be your kids. Maybe it'll be some colleagues, some friends from the past. Maybe it'll be a pastor. And they'll stand up and they'll say a few words on your behalf. And what they say, the story that they tell, will be your legacy. More so than the awards you achieved in life or the accomplishments. More so than the possessions that you leave. That will be your legacy. I've heard it said, the greatest legacy is not what you leave for someone. It's what you leave in someone. You see, it won't be about the possessions that you leave behind. It will be the people that you leave behind that will carry your influence, that will carry your Legacy. One out of every one person dies. One out of every one person will leave a legacy. So we want to be very intentional about this. We want to ask the question, what is the legacy that I'm leaving behind? Now, here's, here's where I've experienced this to be true in my own experience, that over the years as a pastor, I've had an opportunity to be in a lot of different living rooms visiting with families who've just lost loved ones. And what I like to do is I like to kind of prime the pump if I'm gonna be officiating. I, I like to learn as much as I can. So I'll ask a question. Tell me some of your favorite moments. Tell me some of your favorite stories. Does anybody have a, a funny story? Or I might say something like, is there a word that comes to your mind. When you think of this person, what is the first word that comes to your mind? And even in the midst of grief, those can be <laughs> the laughter that takes place. Now, I will admit there have been times where I've done that and it's been a bit awkward. It gets silent. People are looking around at one another thinking, who's gonna go first? What are they gonna say? Maybe somebody finally speaks up and they say, well, he worked hard. And you're thinking, this is not going good. <laughs> but then there are other times where I do not even have to ask the question, the stories just take off. Well, he was the most generous person that I ever knew. Well, you know what? It's interesting from the other side of the room. It's interesting that you mentioned that because I've never told anybody this, but here's what he did in my life. And what you start to see is just all over the room that many times there is a common thread that runs through everybody's stories. 
Maybe some of them don't even know one another, but they know the person. And there's the, you just pick up on this common theme. She was the most caring person that I ever knew. He was courageous. She was always so even-tempered. And the stories continue to come. And it's in those moments that you realize everyone leaves behind a legacy. Everyone leaves behind a story that will be told. Now, here's what I've learned about legacy. And, and if you're, you're younger, you're, you need to hear this. You don't have to be old to leave a legacy. You don't. This past week, I was driving through Amarillo, Texas. And it's probably the second time I've ever been through Amarillo, Texas. But on my right, I just happened to look out the window. And I wasn't even thinking about this, but a cemetery on my right caught my attention. It caught my attention because probably the only other time that I've been in Amarillo, Texas was to stand in that cemetery. For a young boy, a 12-year-old boy named Connor, standing there at his graveside. We were living in Arkansas at the time. Connor's family was in the same town as us, but they moved to Amarillo. Connor was a creative. He loved art, he loved music, loved everything about it. In fact, we worked together to record some music together. And more than anything, Connor loved Jesus. And so when his time came way before, way too soon for any of us, well, we stood there at that graveside. But can I tell you what's happened since then, almost 12 years since? To honor, people came together to want to honor this 12-year-old's legacy. And so now there's an art center in Ghana for young boys and girls being rescued, being renewed, and being restored. Simply because of the way a 12-year-old boy named Connor lived his life. You do not have to be old to leave a legacy. You do not have to have a large Instagram following to leave a legacy. It's true. You do not have to have a lot of money. You do not have to have a lot of possessions to have influence in this life and in the generations to come. Now, I know... Thinking about your own death, thinking it's not the most exciting topic, but here's what I think is very exciting. And here's what I think you're going to get very excited about as well. And it's really what this series is about. We do not get to choose whether we leave this world. We do not get to choose whether we leave a legacy. But everyone gets to choose what legacy they will leave. There's so much in this life we don't get to choose. We don't get to choose what the weather was today. Oh, we don't get to choose what uh, income we make a lot of times. If you're younger, you don't even get to choose what time you come in at night. There is so much out of our control, so much that we don't get to choose, but everyone gets to choose what legacy they leave behind, and here's why. Because everyone gets to choose the story that they will tell then because you get to choose the story that you live now. You get to choose. So I want 
to challenge you, encourage you, invite you to ask the question, what legacy are you leaving behind? Every week throughout this series, we're going to be looking at different people in Scripture that left behind a legacy, a lasting legacy of faith and of character. But I could think of no greater place to begin than to look at the life of Jesus. We've titled this message, The Ultimate Legacy, because Jesus left the ultimate legacy. And I say that because he left his legacy um, in spite of the fact that he didn't have a massive uh, gain in popularity, he didn't have political power, he had very little prestige, all the things that you would think someone would need for their legacy to really last. He had none of those things. In fact, the people who had those things, who had the power, who had the possessions, they did everything they could to ensure that his influence never even made it beyond his life. They would hang him on a cross. They would eventually stop him from breathing, but it's the ultimate legacy because they could not stop his legacy. And they could not stop the influence that he had. And here we are some 2,000 years later talking about him. In fact, I mean, it's a hundred wonders that his legacy made it out of the first century. But even since then, people have come behind and they've tried to tarnish his legacy. People have, people have promoted hate in his name, waged war in his name. And yet his legacy of love has prevailed over hate for some 2,000 years. It's fascinating to me. It's amazing to me. Even the New York Times in 2013, the New York Times gave Jesus the nod as the number one most, most significant and influential person in all of history. Jesus was the, he was the OG influencer. And he did so without the Bible. Well, at least he didn't have the Bible as we know it. He didn't have, he didn't have the printing press. He didn't have mass media. He didn't have social media. Instead, instead, his plan A to spread the gospel was to invest everything that he had in this small, ragtag group of followers. And they would go on to carry on his legacy and not only carry it on to the next generation, but every generation since. They would change the world. So here's what I want to do. I want us to look at three things that Jesus did that ensured he left the ultimate legacy. Number one, Jesus chose who would influence him. We are influenced all the time. We are constantly bombarded with influence. We're influenced by our parents. We're influenced by our, um, our teachers. We're influenced by our favorite news channel. We're uh, influenced by social media. We are influenced by our own thoughts and feelings constantly. <laughs> you might find this interesting. According to NPR.org, did you know that one out of four Gen Z Americans say that they plan to become 
a social media influencer. <laughs> Maybe that's you. That's, that's awesome. One out of four, social media influence. You see, influence is power. Influence, <laughs> influence is worth a lot of money. But more importantly, it's worth asking the question, who's influencing you? See, Jesus was very clear throughout Scripture who was calling the shots in his life. On one occasion, Jesus had healed someone on the Sabbath. Well, this did not play well with those in power because that was breaking their rules. And so they brought it to Jesus' attention and it, and addressed it with him, and they wanted to know, Jesus, why? Why are you healing someone on the Sabbath? Why do you insist on breaking our rules? And Jesus, why do you keep referring to God as your father as if you are somehow equal with him? You can imagine why that was troubling to them, but their question was why. And here is Jesus' answer. This is in John chapter 5. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing, nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. Some of you have served in the military. Some of you are actively serving in the military. First of all, thank you for your service. But here's what you know. If I were to ask you who, who influenced or who's influencing your actions, I would imagine that the first thing you would, well, it wouldn't be the first thing you would think of, would be your own thoughts and your own feelings about things. Because there is a very clear and a very consistent chain of command. Jesus had all authority. Now, people didn't realize that. They didn't know that. But he had all authority. And yet he submitted it to his father. You see, it wouldn't matter what the question was. They could have asked any question why, Jesus? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Why are you saying this? Why are you saying that? The answer would be the same every single time. My Father. It's my Father's will. I'm doing the work of my Father. In fact, later on in John chapter 17, Romain quoted this earlier in 17. This is a prayer between Jesus and his Father. And he, he says... I have finished the work that you gave me to do. Jesus chose who is influencing him. Even so much that later in this chapter, verse 30, he would say, by myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. The beginning of your influence begins with acknowledging who's influencing you. 
Can you imagine how different Jesus' story would have been if he would have allowed all the voices in his life to speak into his life and influence him? Jesus, you, you can't hang out with those people. We got a PR issue here. People are noticing they're getting a little antsy. We had all these people following us. Now they're threatening to not... Jesus, you can't upset those people. Don't you know they've got influence? <laughs> they've got power. They've got kingdoms. You, you can't go ticking them off. Jesus, you got to quit talking about your death. That's just, that's not a great topic. It's demoralizing the troops. You got to stop. Can you, can you imagine how different the story would have been if he would have allowed them to influence him, yet he did not? He was influenced by his father, singularly influenced by his father. He listened to the voice of his father. It was the only voice that mattered to him. And he zeroed in on the voice of his father so much that it just drowned out all the other voices in his life. And he had clarity in his life. He had clarity of his purpose. He had clarity of his mission. Can you imagine the peace? Even in the midst of all the turmoil that Jesus experienced, can you imagine the peace that that gave him? Who's influencing you? And are those influences bringing peace into your life? And are those influences speaking into your life in a way that they're influencing the legacy that you want? lead. The second thing that Jesus did, he was intentional about this. Jesus chose whom he would influence. There was an educational system in place in, in those times for the Jews. It would go something like this. At age five, you'd be studying scripture. You'd be memorizing scripture. Around age 10, you'd be studying and memorizing the Midrash. And 12 to 15, you'd be studying, memorizing the Torah. And if you were in the elite, if you were in the, the top 10% of your class, then you might get to move on to rabbinical teachings, the PhD level. But if you didn't, if you didn't pass the exam, if you didn't make the cut, then what did you do? You went back to the family trade and you worked. 15 years old, 12 to 15, if you didn't make the cut, that's what you were doing. Now, let me ask you a question. Where did Jesus find his followers? What were they doing? It's okay, you can answer. They were fishing. They were working and they were mending nets. They were working the family trade. They didn't make the cut. According to that system, they were done. But Jesus chose them. Jesus didn't go by the system. Jesus chose a different system, and he made his decision a different way. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, that's when he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them 
whom he also designated apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who is called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. This was no casual process or casual decision for Jesus, whom he would choose. So he prayed. He didn't just pray. He prayed all night long about this. Can I ask you, have you prayed about whom you will influence? Have you prayed about who is in your sphere of influence that you can deposit into them what God has deposited into you? Have you prayed about it? Jesus did. He was very intentional. He chose whom he would influence. The third thing that Jesus did, he was very intentional about this. Jesus chose how he would influence. I mentioned that Jesus didn't have a lot of popularity. He did have popularity in the Galilean region, not so much in Jerusalem. But you never find in scripture where Jesus gathers the disciples together and goes, okay, here's what we're gonna do. I mean, we're getting some popularity. I've been healing. People are noticing. Hey, we're... He never exploited that. Never part of the plan. And Jesus, even though he had all authority, all power, yes, no one knew. At some point, Jesus knew. But even though he had all power in heaven and on earth, he never leveraged it. His plan A for the spread of his legacy, for the spread of the gospel, his plan A was, in a word, discipleship. Discipleship. It's a word that I have to admit we tend to mystify, overcomplicate, but it's really very simple. Discipleship, this process of the student learning from the master, and not just learning, but walking with, talking with, eating with, spending all their time, the student or the disciple, imitating the teacher imitating the master, wanting to become like him, wanting to take on his mission for themselves. And that's exactly what started to happen. Jesus would give this invitation, this powerful invitation. Then he said to them, follow me. Notice he, he didn't say, go read about me, go study about me, go think about me. He said, follow me. Do you, you see the, the relational emphasis, the how intimate and personal this invitation is. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. It was the process of discipleship. Jesus was very intentional. He chose how he was going to pass on his influence. He chose how he was going to pass on his legacy. Everything depended on this small group that Jesus invested in. At one point, Jesus was modeling them for them ministry. They were watching him. 
And then at one point Jesus said, I want you to come and assist me. And so they did. They assisted Jesus in the ministry. And then at one point Jesus says, okay, here's what I want you to do. And I'm here with you. And he assisted them. And before you know it, they're doing ministry on their own. You know, I can't help but think about legacy in this church. There's examples right here in the front row for me today. First of all, Jeff Nelson, glad you're here today. Jeff was here for, uh, for 20, how many years? 22 years. The reason I had to think about that is because I've only been here 10 years. But I can tell you, I came here under his tutelage, under his mentoring. Everything that I do standing here today, he's impacted me in that way. Why? Because he took time. There was a relationship there. And you've been, whether you knew it or not, you've been impacted by his legacy today. Right in front of me, we've got Isai's parents here today. We're so honored to have you here today. Let's give it up. And just talking with Isai's dad this morning, just listening to him, first time we met, there was so much that I could see because I know Isai. And I feel like I know his dad because I know him. You didn't know it today, but you've been impacted by their legacy because they've taken time. They have deposited what the Father has deposited in them and deposited it into him. And now you're being blessed by that. So here's my question. The things that are being deposited in you, the, the peace, the, the love, the things that the Father is giving you, are you being intentional about how you're going to pass that on to the next generation? Here's the mission. Here's the mission that Jesus gave his disciples then, and he gives us now. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Jesus has promised to be with us. And what he wants, not just from us, what he wants for us is for us to share in the mission that he began so many years ago. He took fishermen and he made them fishers of men. He wants to do it again and he wants to do it in you and he wants to do it in me. Jesus chose who would influence him. Jesus chose whom he would influence. Jesus chose how he would influence. And he wants to do it again. One out of every one person dies. One out of every one person will leave a legacy behind. The question is, what legacy are you leaving behind? What story will people tell? And you get to choose your legacy because you get to choose the story they will tell then because you get to choose the story that you live now. There's three next steps, three practical things that maybe... Maybe this is the first time you've ever thought about this and you want to step into this life of not just being a reservoir collecting, but you want to be a river 
where the things the Father's putting in you flows to other people. Three next steps that you can take this week. Number one, identify three relationships that are currently influencing who you're becoming. This is, this is very important. Please be honest with yourself. Who's influencing you? Maybe the question is what is influencing you right now and who you're becoming? And by the way, you are becoming. You are not just like concrete that's just set. You are moldable. You're pliable. You are becoming. What are those voices that are shaping you? Number two, consider what legacy you're currently leaving. Those voices that are pouring into you, what is the fruit of that right now currently? And is it moving in the direction that you want it to? Is it the story that you want someone to tell then? If not, then change the story that you're living now. Number three, determine the legacy that you want to leave. And can I encourage you to consider the legacy that Jesus has created you for? He gave you a mission. It's not just what he wants from you. It's what he wants for you. Because this mission of making disciples, it's the one you were created for. It's, it's the one that he handcrafted you. you. You were not just put on some assembly line and mass produced. You've been handcrafted to make disciples. You were made to make disciples. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at how people lived out that mission so that we can take something from that. And I wanted to begin by looking at Jesus so that we could take his example and live the ultimate legacy. Father, we're grateful to you that you would make us your plan A. You put everything, you invested everything. You sent your son to invest everything, not in possessions, not in earthly power or prestige. You invested in people and you are still investing in us. We thank you for that. For the one who has never received Jesus, who never knew that they could leave the legacy that they were created for. Father, I pray that they would receive him now, that they would trust him, that you sent your son, that he was who he said he was, that he is your son and he is able to atone for our sin, to take on our sin, to take our sin away from us, to give us a right standing with you. Father, for anyone who's receiving him right now, we thank you for that. We thank you for that blessing. And may we all continue to receive and to hear from your voice, to make disciples so that the next generation future generations will know about you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.